0: We're listening to The Union Edge, Labor's Talk Radio. For more information about the show, go to TheUnionEdge.com.
1: The Public News Service daily newscast for Friday, February the 2nd, 2018. I'm Mike Clifford. Today could be the day the much talked about GOP secret memo is released. That despite continuing objections from the DOJ and the FBI. We take a look at sex trafficking at the Super Bowl. Is it a myth? And a Texas program aims to make communities healthier. Now our top story, the Washington Post quoting an unnamed presidential advisor as saying, There was never any hesitation. The president was resolved on this. He was not going to be persuaded otherwise. He wanted it out. At issue is the memo written by Devin Nunes and his staff, which was first seen by President Trump on Wednesday afternoon. The Post says that General Kelly, the chief of staff, offered his opinion to Trump that releasing the memo would not risk national security, but that the document was not as compelling as some of its advocates had promised Trump. Both the DOJ and FBI are on record objecting to the planned release. It's being called a surprise victory for voting rights advocates. A federal judge has ruled that Florida's current system for restoring voting rights to people after their release from prison
2: is unconstitutional. U.S. District Judge Mark Walker said the process used by Florida's Board of Executive Clemency to decide how a person can get their voting rights restored violates the Constitution, both the First and Fourteenth Amendments. John Sherman, with the Fair Elections Legal Network, challenged the Florida process. He says the court agreed the state doesn't have the right to disenfranchise or deny voting rights in these cases.
3: What it did hold is the means by which former felons are forced to g- jump through hurdles and beg uh, the executive clemency board, the governor, the attorney general for their rights, uh, that process is unconstitutional.
2: The rule doesn't immediately restore voting rights to people who have been incarcerated for felonies. Judge Walker ordered further briefing from all parties in the case to determine the appropriate remedy. I'm Tramel Gomes.
1: More than one and a half million Floridians are unable to vote due to the state policy of permanently disenfranchising people convicted of a felony. Meantime, Eric Teganoff is here to tell us big Bunny dominated the 2016 elections in Oregon.
0: That's according to a new report. The Oregon State Public Interest Research Group, or OSPERG, found about 720 individuals and businesses contributing $5,000 or more collectively donated nearly $35 million to candidates and ballot measure campaigns. In contrast, more than 31,000 people who gave $250 or less donated $2.5 million. That means large donors outspent their smaller counterparts 14 to 1. State Representative Diego Hernandez says he has experienced the effect large donors have on elections. He says when he decided to run, he thought he could focus on the issues and voters.
3: But it turned out that a lot of my time had to be spent also fundraising. <laughs> which is time taken away from having to go door-to-door, talking to constituents. And so it definitely is something that impacts the election process.
0: The report also found large out-of-state donors outspent small in-state donors 10 to 1. Hernandez says these imbalances end up hurting candidates of color and women who run for office, since they typically don't have a network of wealthy donors at their disposal. And as you prepare to watch the
1: Super Bowl this weekend, you may not know that the game has commonly been regarded as the single largest human trafficking incident in the country. Mary Sherman tells us that claim is now up for debate.
4: As a sex trafficking survivor, Teresa Flores founded the SOAP Project, It stands for Save Our Adolescents from Prostitution. She explains the answer might be found online where most sex trafficking business occurs.
5: Numbers don't lie, and if you go on and check it, you'll see it for yourself that
6: they advertise Super Bowl special or football finian, so it's very much driven by
4: the event. With a big game in Minneapolis this year, the Women's Foundation in Minnesota commissioned research on the matter. Co-chair of the Super Bowl Anti-Sex Trafficking Committee, Terry Williams, explains they discovered that while there is an uptick in trafficking in a host city, it is no more than any other major public event.
7: Using that, we really brought our advocates together and law enforcement and all of those folks to say, all right, we know this is an issue 365 days a year. What is our response going to be leading up to and then
1: beyond? The foundation is also developing a model of their human trafficking awareness efforts to be used for future events and shared with other cities. And finally, Mark Richardson reports some community clinics in Central and Southeast Texas being asked to improve health, not just health care, in their areas. A new grant program aims to help the clinics address the underlying conditions in their communities that cause health problems. The grants from the
8: Episcopal Health Foundation total $10 million. Lexi Nolan with the Foundation says the Texas Community-Centered Health Home Initiative will focus on eliminating the root causes of chronic conditions and poor health.
7: A lot of our clinics are focused on issues related to overweight, food insecurity, active living. We have a clinic that's focused on adverse childhood events. So there's a range of issues, but these are
4: common problems in lots of communities.
8: She says the four-year program is investing between $160,000 and $500,000 in each of 13 urban and suburban clinics. To develop programs that improve both individual patients' health and entire neighborhoods, the clinics will partner with community groups, government agencies, schools, and businesses.
1: Under the initiative, each clinic creates and implements an action plan tailored to its community with the foundation providing training and technical assistance. That's our news for now. Have a great weekend. I'm Mike Clifford for Public News Service, member and listener supported, and online at publicnewsservice.org.
8: Hello, welcome back. I'm Charles Showalter. You're listening to the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in. We enjoy your company. We appreciate all the great stuff you're doing for the community, that's for sure. Hey, This program is sponsored in part by the BCTGM, that's a baker's union, and also the pittsburgh symphony orchestra members association we appreciate their support very much uh joining us today we've got buck gino hey
7: charles how are you doing
8: brother doing well and also hey, jim chase jim welcome back
7: hey thank you very much charles nice to be on one more time guys it's always uh, yeah. a pleasure
5: i gotta say jim this is your favorite holiday happy Groundhog day <laughs> 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 that's
7: right. That's right. Yes, it is. Groundhog Day. Hey, we want spring to come in Michigan as soon yeah. as possible. And uh, two years ago, when I come down to Pittsburgh to see you guys from Grand Rapids, Michigan, we stopped at Punxsutawney in and, and a crisp, clear day, and they said he didn't see a shadow, and we saw ours, and uh, I don't <laughs> know what's <laughs> up with that.
5: Is there yes, a conspiracy afoot?
7: I know. I think it's a ruse.
8: You know, I I think that they were using the uh, Pennsylvania Lottery's film, the second (laughs) most famous uh, uh, groundhog in Pennsylvania. But in any case, so um, uh, Jim, let me ask you this. You've got your own talk show up in uh, Michigan. Um, What are you hearing from the unions with this, uh, the whole thing about uh, Janice versus Ask
9: about
5: who <laughs> You know that's a great question. We were always talking about educating the public. It would probably be a good idea to explain what Janus versus Ask me is.
7: There you go. Yeah, I don't know what it is.
8: Yeah, well basically Janus versus Ask me is a court case in front of the Supreme Court that's coming up. And what some people are asking for is the the ability to enjoy all the benefits of union membership. Uh, running for union office, uh, getting the pay raises and the health care benefits and all that kind of other stuff, but not having to pay for a union membership. That's like saying to the world, that AAA stuff is pretty neat. You know, you get discounts on travel. You'll come put gas in my car or change a tire if I need it. I like that a lot, but you know what? I don't want to pay for it. I want you to pay for mine.
7: Yeah, I think all this right to work uh for less or right to freeload, uh they'll catch up to them. I mean I'm I'm kinda counting on the uh the blue wave or the blue tsunami to uh uh really uh take take over here in the November election and we're gonna try really hard on Cut to the Chase Radio Talk Show and everywhere we go and down to Teamsters four oh six where I come from. Uh, because it's, it's extremely important, and I think we can do that. And, the, and then, if if all that happens, and in, in, in statewide in Michigan, it used to always be a blue state. Now it's a red state. We need to flip everything in this state too, and including right to work for less. This this is uh, atrocious. It's been around long enough. It has has improved anything, but trying to uh, slowly destroy unions. And uh, we're going to take charge of this thing. And apparently, things haven't got bad enough yet. And we're well on our way to bottoming out in almost in every category, from the top office in the country right down to uh, county commissioners and, and, and the city uh, drain commissioner and dog catchers. I mean, this needs to uh, be addressed. And and this gonna and this gonna end. By the way, anytime any of you guys are in the Grand Rapids area, you're welcome on
5: radio with us well, there you go. well and and i have a lot of faith because uh i think that if if it was just going to be the usual okay now the ball is back to the democrats and we're just going to do this thing again i'd be a lot less heartened but the number of new people who are running for offices yeah. specifically the number of women yeah. who are running for office who have never run yeah. before um and women who are engaged uh-huh. who've never been engaged before i think that yep. uh, we stand a chance of really turning the tide
7: I agree the the millennials thing is extremely important uh they I don't think they really care about labels like Democrats or Republicans as much as we need some uh something done here we you know well we need to get the right people and and I agree the uh uh women that are uh, gonna be candidates and and then the younger folks as well is this this has gotta stop this, this is Complete nonsense, nonsense, and it's wrecking everything. And and uh, and I think it will come around. It has to. Either that will get worse, and then it will come around. But I think uh, things are happening.
8: You know, Jim, you bring up a very interesting point.
7: <laughs> and, excuse
8: me, my uh, my computer just started. Uh...
7: Did you want uh, me to make it? Or <laughs> no, no. Sorry
8: about that. No, you, you bring up a you bring up an interesting point. I mean. People that have been in the labor movement for a while have identified, you know, we're in a serious downward trend. Uh, the, the opposition has been able to, through political campaign contributions uh, and manipulations of other kinds, make it more and more difficult for labor to organize, to represent, to protect the community, which that's what we do. Um, but eventually it's going to get bad enough where people are going to say enough is enough and that let-them-eat-cake attitude um, is really going to backfire on the aristocracy that's trying to assert itself here in the United States.
7: Yeah, a lot of the older folks are still worried about people taking their guns and voting Republican because they're so scared of that. And all the young people under 38... we're not worried about anybody taking our guns and why would you vote that way against your best interest for some uh, baloney that uh, people are making up i, I think uh, uh the younger folks are going to get tired of all this bickering for nothing why don't you do something for everyone and we can sort this thing out it's not that hard however it is that being that stubborn right now uh that's stopping everything i think
5: i agree buck what do you think
7: well, I,
10: first of all, I, I want to tell you folks uh, how much I uh, enjoyed participating with you. And, you know, I, I, and I would be reminded of a little song that, that talked about, you know, you got to remember that every new beginning starts with another beginning's end, and that's all you're doing today is uh, uh, turning the page to another chapter, or actually to get better.
0: So, you're um, not gonna but
4: sing? I do have, I, do <laughs> I do have
10: to agree. What's that?
4: He wants you to He's sing. Not sing
10: for us. You want me to sing? Well, I, I, I yeah, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll save that for a later date. But you know, I mean, you know, it, it is true that uh, most people have, for years and years and years, uh, voted against their own interest. I mean, you, you look at uh, you know, back in the day. You know, you, Jim was talking about the guns, and, and before that, it was, uh, you know, women's rights uh, or human rights. It's always uh, done very well to um, divide us, but. The encouraging part, is just like Angela said, is that this new generation uh, that is showing up uh, to run for these offices, you don't even look at the Virginia, I mean, uh, you talk about as many new people in politics, uh, was a great number, and, and, and they were able to uh, to do it. Uh, so, that's encouraging, and I think that uh, it has to happen all over the, the country. And you still need organized labor to do that, and as we know, we're... You know, uh, under assault, and you know, you you always hear these people say, I hear it every day. Well, do you really, st- do you really still need labor unions? And I, I always say, you know, the, ask yourself the question: Do you really still need safety on the job? Do you really need advocacy for workers, for people in politics? Do you need advocacy for workers in their workplace? You know, and do you need to have adult labor and not child labor? So. You know, and other things, do you need 40-hour work weeks instead of, and get extra pay for overtime? And do we need pensions, health care, vacation time, sick time, baby? These are all things that organized labor basically have uh, uh, fought for for people, and they fought for people that are not members of unions. And uh, so it's it, we're under attack, and as I think I heard one of your guests, so we'll, we won't be uh, – we've been under assault before if you look at history and, and – uh, with As we adjust, as uh, as you folks are and as we are, we'll be able to fight a better battle.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're, we're
7: going with like 2.2% inflation every year. And mm-hmm. uh, without a union, we'd be lucky to get a half a percent raise, mm-hmm. like a dime or 20 mm-hmm. cents or something like that. I mean, any no. effort that's non-union is still very, very weak. Like, like mm-hmm. I say, 2.2%. You're not getting eighty cents or ninety cents or a dollar ten a year. You're, you're you're falling behind just on that, right? Yeah. And, and you know, and we're supposed to feel sorry for the CEO who's making seven hundred times more than yeah. you know uh, somebody on the shop floor. And guys, gotta come doing it.
8: Guys, we need yeah. to take a short break. But before we go to break, I'm I'm going to leave ask this question, um, and, and we'll answer it when we come back. Why is it a good thing when wages go up in this country and Donald Trump takes credit for it? If Donald Trump takes credit for it, why is it a bad thing when unions bring wages up? And we'll talk about that when we come back. In the meantime, I'm Charles Showalter. You're listening to the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio.
2: In a surprise victory for voting rights advocates, a federal judge has ruled Florida's current system for restoring voting rights to people after their release from prison is unconstitutional. U.S. District Judge Mark Walker said the process used by Florida's Board of Executive Clemency to decide how a person can get their voting rights restored violates the Constitution, both the First and Fourteenth Amendments. John Sherman with the Fair Elections Legal Network challenged the Florida process. He says the court agreed the state doesn't have the right to disenfranchise or deny voting rights in these cases.
3: What it did hold is the means by which Former felons are forced to jump through hurdles and beg uh, the Executive Clemency Board, the governor, the attorney general for their rights. uh, That process is
2: unconstitutional. The rule doesn't immediately restore voting rights to people who have been incarcerated for felonies. Judge Walker ordered further briefing from all parties in the case to determine the appropriate remedy. Sherman says the ruling is expected to make the process easier for people to regain their right to vote after they have served their time. He calls the current system unfair for leaving the clemency board with unfettered discretion.
3: Someone will be denied for a speeding ticket uh, one day and then the next hearing someone will be granted despite having a history of speeding tickets. Someone's granted Uh, despite alcohol use. Another person is denied for alcohol use. And this is the problem with the process. There are no rules.
2: More than one and a half million Floridians are unable to vote due to the state policy of permanently disenfranchising people convicted of a felony. In November, voters will decide whether to amend the state constitution to change that. The ballot measure to allow the automatic restoration of rights to those who have completed their sentence will require a 60% yes vote to pass. For Florida News Connection, I'm Trammell Gomes.
7: Music is a bridge between the material and the spiritual. My name is Harvey Lauer, and I'm 82. As a blind person, you have to be aware that nobody can tell you what you can or can't do. You really have to try things. My folks got me a little radio in 1940, and that was the best Christmas present I ever got. When I was 11 years old is when I started to uh, play music, play the piano, and then the accordion, and then the cello. My wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. It's Meals
5: on Wheels.
4: One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad
5: Council.
1: The average time a
4: resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmeen, who was...
5: Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach.
4: We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone who
5: had to be independent
11: and take initiative. And that's how I handle every project I get.
4: Discover new ways to develop great talent at gradsoflife.org. Brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council.
8: Hello, welcome back. I'm Charles Showalter. You're listening to the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We enjoy your company. Hey, many thanks to the West Virginia and Kentucky AFL CIOs for their support and um, Stellar, you know, coming on the program and – Having those discussions, we appreciate it very much. Sorry, uh, guys.
5: If you hear me snickering, it's because of Angela's mic he won't stay down. and he just keeps, like, threatening to smack her in the face. It's kind of really funny. Battling my mic stand to the very last day. There you go.
8: <laughs> yeah, that, that's been a reoccurring uh, theme here. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, joining us by uh, by phone, we've got uh, Buck Gino and Jim Chase. Guys, welcome back.
10: Thank you, Charles. I'll be with you. It's always a pleasure.
8: Guys, so before we went into break, I said, you know um, – president trump is taking credit for increasing wages uh one of the reasons why wages are going up is there's less people available to go to work um unemployment's down to 4.1 percent it's kind of funny um when it's at 4.1 percent that's a real number when president obama was in in office and it was at 5.2 or something like that oh that wasn't a real number you know okay. so but that's another story but you know yeah. when raise when wages go up President Trump takes credit for it but if unions work to raise wages that's a problem Jim what's going on there
7: well you know it, it, it's you know uh president uh bonespur I mean Trump He's, he's really uh, you know, t- trying to take credit for anything because he has so little to go on. And quite frankly, uh, 70 80% of this country don't believe it. They just, he does it so much, it's just kind of getting uh, normal, I guess. But what is surprising me, the deplorables that are st- sticking with him, after six months I thought, wow, these guys are going to give up on this, and they haven't, now we're, now we're at one year. So, you know, he's got a grasp for something, and most people aren't buying it. uh, And uh, the proof will be in the pudding in one way or another. Uh, His Hmm. tactics and everything he does uh, is, in fact, illusional and despicable and deplorable, so I think all that will catch up to him. So it's something he thinks is positive to say, and I don't think anybody's going for it.
10: Well, 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 first of all, though, I, I would be, you know, Donald Trump is not uh, the reason why wages are going up, or wages at all go up anywhere. The, the reason right. wages Anymore go up anywhere faster. is because, because some some organi- member of organized labor or local unions negotiated a better contract. That's why wages go up. It's just like right. saying, you know, if you organize or if you, the Teamsters, for example, sign a, a good contract for better wages and better benefits, uh, it's a trickle-down. I hate to use that word, trickle-down effect. The people that are driving trucks uh, non-union, their wages go up. It's the same same issue in er- everything else. You know, and with the government, the, the Trump administration, dismantling every bit of our regulatory structure, you know, and the, the workplace oversight, you know, and obviously they are trying to hang their head on the decline of unions. Uh, who, if not unions, stands up for workers? I mean, that's the thing you have to ask yourself. That's right. You know, it's really, we're out there all the time talking about unions and organized labor, but we are the unions. We are organized labor. And if we we don't stand up for workers, it surely is not going to be down from.
8: Buck, you were a business manager for your union, Uh for your local, for years. Uh And there's a reason why... Successful contractors go to the building trades mm-hmm. to get people. And it's not because the people in the building trades are paid less. Why is it that uh, successful contractors use the building trades?
10: Number one, because it's built on a partnership. You have multi-employer plans with the uh, or contracts with the, the contractors and the union. So it's a, it's a partnership at the beginning. They partnership in the training, they partnership in the, in, the, in the pension, the administration of the pension and the uh, and, and health care. So that, that's why. And, and number one, they come to the unions because that's where they get the best help, the best trained help, the things we talked about, uh, people trained in safety, people trained in the, every aspect of the, the job. Um, and I'm not just saying that people um, – um, that are in the non-union sector or not yet union uh, brothers and sisters uh, uh, aren't as good, but they just don't have the opportunity. You know, you where the, the, the non-union element, to, you know, goes on what we call goes on the cheap when it comes to training, when it goes on the cheap to uh, teaching their uh, uh, safety issues to their uh, employees, the unions are, are stellar. They're, uh, you know, second to none in, in, in those types of things. And that's exactly why Um, they come to the unions because they are uh, very good at what they do.
8: Jim, let me ask you this. As a Teamster, um, safety is a paramount issue with Teamsters uh, on the road and in other work sites. Um, With the many years of experience you have uh, working with the Teamsters as as an elected official, um, can you categorically tell me that in the Teamster environment that uh, injuries are less on the job?
7: Oh, absolutely. I have personally uh, have stopped uh, production uh, myself in, in over the years in the UAW as well, uh, where there's poisonous gases and there's all sorts of uh, difficult working conditions, let alone truck safety, uh, probably Approximately half of our teachers are drivers all over the country. And, uh, oh, my gosh, it is imperative to make sure that you're safe. And, quite frankly, employers are thankful, too, because they can get in a lot of trouble if you just uh, in a non-union site that, you know, uh, bring this thing in to get fixed after you're done with your, you know, 12-hour day. And uh, we don't do that, and it's for everyone benefit. And you gotta get home at night safely and and we could hang our hat on
8: that, Charles. Jim, one of the things I gotta tell you when you were working as a business manager for the Teamsters Local four oh six that you told me that that, that it sticks with me today and it's still just the neatest thing in the world. The relationship that you had with your signatory contractors when your signatory contractors or employers, I'm sorry, employers had a need for Personnel, they would come to you to f- help find the best and the uh, of the and the brightest.
7: Absolutely, Charles. Uh, there's okay. there's no way I'd recommend anybody for any of these difficult jobs. You know, and I did the blue collar job thing myself yeah. for over 30 years. And and when I got my chance to recommend anybody, it, it was going to be the the best top notch people uh, that I could find that were available. And uh, there's no other reason I do that. is is better for the employer uh, to, to get the employer as profitable as possible in return. Would have a fair and dignified collecting collective bargaining bargaining agreement. Yeah,
8: there you go, there guys. You go. I you know I want to take the opportunity to thank you both for the years that uh, we've had to work together. It's been a privilege. It's been an honor, and. Um, we really appreciate everything you guys have done. Absolutely. Well,
7: it was wonderful yeah. working with Brittany and Angela and you, yeah. even you. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go right. back to uh, 2011, yeah. I think, isn't it, a Buck? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. So with in
10: Parting, though, I want to everybody to recognize something. And when, when you think you're getting down, you know, we've all been part of organized labor for a lot of years. There's a lot of years on the phone here. And, you know, unions are the only ones to provide the only platform that gives, uh, you know, workers power in the workplace and in politics. And as individuals, you know, we don't have any power in the workplace or in the government. Unions give people that power, no matter their education or income. That means to stand up for themselves and fight for themselves. And that's what forces the the corporations to give us a seat at the table. There you go. We have to stick together.
8: Absolutely. Good luck. God bless. We'll talk to you guys soon. In the meantime, we got to get going. I'm Charles Showalter. You're listening to the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio.
9: The Colorado Independent Ethics Commission has created a set of rules for how the news media and the public can access its records, and is getting some pushback about them. The proposed rules differ from those established under the Colorado Open Records Act, or CORA. Jeff Roberts, with the Colorado Freedom of Information Coalition, believes the current state law should apply to the agency charged with investigating public officials accused of misconduct.
3: The big question is, why should they be allowed to write their own rules of access to public records when we have this perfectly good state law that governs access to records for all other levels of state and local government?
9: The commission's executive director claims it isn't subject to CORA because its office is now based in the Colorado Judicial Branch building. Judicial has not been covered under state statutes since 2012 after a Colorado appeals court ruling. The commission's proposed, proposal includes an option for making records available in print or digital formats, which conflicts with CORA requirements that agencies provide native digital files that are easier to sort and search.
0: I'm Eric Galatis. Big money dominated the 2016 elections in Oregon, according to a new report. The Oregon State Public Interest Research Group, or OSPERG, found about 720 individuals and businesses, contributing $5,000 or more, collectively donated nearly $35 million to candidates and ballot measure campaigns. In contrast, more than 31,000 people who gave $250 or less donated $2.5 That means large donors outspent their smaller counterparts 14 to 1. State Representative Diego Hernandez says he has experienced the effect large donors have on elections. He says when he decided to run, he thought he could focus on the issues and voters.
3: But it turned out that a lot of my time had to be spent also fundraising, (laughs) which is time taken away from having to go door-to-door, talking to constituents. And so it definitely is something that impacts the election process.
0: The report also found large out-of-state donors outspent small in state donors 10 to 1. Hernandez says these imbalances end up hurting candidates of color and women who run for office, since they typically don't have a network of wealthy donors at their disposal. Con Lee was the financial director for Twee Tran, a candidate for a House seat from East Portland who lost in 2012. Lee says the district is diverse, with immigrants and refugees who were engaged in her campaign but unable to contribute large donations. He says Tran also had to juggle being a small business owner.
3: Frankly, she didn't have much time in terms of raise money, run her business so she has an income so she can live, and
10: then outreach to her voters. So she had to choose.
0: Charlie Fisher, state director of OSPERG, says House Bill 4076 could help candidates like Tran and also empower small donors. The bill would provide a 6-to-1 matching program for candidates who agree only to accept contributions of $250 or less. Fisher says the program has worked in other places.
3: The city of New York has had a small donor matching program for a while now, and it demonstrably increased the diversity of donors giving to candidates running for city office compared to candidates running without matching funds for statewide office.
0: HB 4076 is scheduled for a hearing Thursday, February 8th. For Oregon News Service, I'm Eric Tegadoff.
4: We are the BCTGM, the union representing bakery workers. We have been joining forces with our members and thousands of community partners across America to end corporate exploitation of workers across the globe. Our campaign has its roots with the Mondelez Nabisco's firing of 600 workers at its Chicago bakery and replacing them with workers earning poverty wages in Mexico. College and university student activists have reached out to our global campaign, and the BCTGM is proud to welcome the more than 20 million students across America as partners in defeating this greed-based business model. Student voices have changed the world, and these future community and national leaders will add energy and heightened spirit to the BCTGM's consumer boycott of Mexican-made Nabisco products. Join the fight. Help change the world. Invite the Nabisco 600 team to your campus by visiting fightforamericanjobs.org. Follow us on Facebook at Nabisco 600 BCTGM Local 300.
8: Hello, welcome back. I'm Charles Showalter. You're listening to the Union Edge Laborers Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in. We enjoy your company. We appreciate all the great stuff you're doing for the community, that's for sure. Hey, this program is sponsored in part by the United Mine Workers of America and AppletreeMediaWorks.com. We appreciate the support. Joining me today, a uh, former member of the Pennsylvania House and Senate, he didn't learn his lesson the first time, Alan Kukovic. Alan, welcome back.
7: Charles, good to be with you. I uh... Just want to say it's it's just been great working with with you and Angela and Brittany and Laura. You've had a great team there, and you've been a terrific voice for working people. It's been fun to be part of it. Well, thank yeah, you. I wish, and, and I wish it always seemed when well, I'm not in studios when you always have the best food.
8: Well, Alan, I, I yeah, you noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and, and there's there's a running joke there, folks, um, because it seemed like, it, yeah, Alan's right. It seems like every time he's not in studio, we have the best food. Um, there There's no malice there, Alan, I promise you that, that's for sure.
7: Oh, uh, I believe it, because one time, uh, whenever I was giving you a hard time about it, I put in an order, and the next time I was in studio, you had some... Uh, Fine cuisine for me, blue fish pâté and all kinds of uh, lobster bisque. It was nice. It was a highlight.
8: Yeah, we were excited uh, that day. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) that's another story. So, Alan, i I, got to ask you a question. You know, you have been uh, a member of the House and Senate um, here in Pennsylvania. Um, You've done some wonderful work, Chip. Um, you, You didn't do that alone. It had to be bipartisan, didn't it?
7: Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate. I tell uh, a lot of legislators, I just met the uh, new guy from Allegheny County uh, yesterday, Austin Davis, I believe his name is, and uh, uh, when I I was in office, it was, uh, I think, it was always difficult, but it was much easier to get things done, and that's because that was before the Republican Party became so radicalized. I mean, in our democracy... We have a two-party system, whether you like it or not. And to get things done, you have to have both parties that are willing to to work together. Uh, And if one party is just anti-government and anti-everything, everything everything bogs down. That's why we have paralysis, and it breeds disrespect for the whole system. So I'm I'm hopeful that... uh, a lot of new people are going to start getting involved politically. And I think I'm seeing that now. It's kind of a reaction to this whole Trump disaster. A, a lot of new people are, are willing to to run for office and, and take the time and effort and sacrifice. And I think that's what we need. And I think your show here has been uh, a big part of that, about getting a message out, uh, a, a message that uh, isn't always out there in the political stratosphere something that doesn't come out of every campaign, but it is about labor. It's about working people. It's about the, the programs people need. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, whatever's happening here is, is uh, going to be temporary and, and, and there'll, there'll be a comeback.
8: As somebody who's been in politics for a number of years, um, have you ever seen – some of the shenanigans that this president's engaged in, elsewhere.
7: No, I mean all all the the, the, plundi- uh, the pundits on cable TV uh, talk about the norms and how they've been broken, and and that's all true. But I think what we have to keep in mind is not just uh, a breaking of norms, but why that matters. I mean, why are our, our uh, basic law enforcement is being undercut, like the FBI and the CIA? Why? Why uh, even when seventy, eighty percent of the people don't like uh, a tax bill that's only going to help the rich, why it still passes? I mean that that's pretty unique, and uh, that that's dangerous. Uh, and and there's all these distractions about about the uh, terrible things that, that that are going on, and and we do have to. Fight against those things. We can't be distracted about them, by them, because you know we, we have this this terrible threat to our democracy with income inequality, and we can resolve that. There are ways to do it. But it's not by giving tax cuts to the wealthiest. It's by investing in our communities and our working people. Um, you've always talked, Charles, about about democracy. You know, being being the way up for all people, to help everybody's quality of life. And whenever you have uh, politicians out there state to state trying to suppress the vote and keep people from voting, um, we, we need a voice out there to fight that. We, we need to, to win those individual battles. Um, a long time ago, back in the early 90s, I represented the House Democrats in Pennsylvania uh, on a reapportionment. And now it's more than... 30 years later, and there are more Pennsylvanians voting for Democrats for Congress than back in the early 90s, and yet we've gone from 15 Democrats in Congress from Pennsylvania down to six. Now, the math just doesn't add up, and it shows that things like gerrymandering and voter suppression is a way to rig the game. And what what needs to be done is, is getting people in the state legislatures, people in Congress, um, to start fighting not just for what we need to do now, but what we need to do for our future. Uh, that needs to be on the ag- back on the agenda.
8: I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, you know, we need to also not, lo- not only look at gerrymandering, but we need to look at uh, Mike uh, voter ID, so Mitt Romney wins Pennsylvania, Terzai's attempts to stop uh, Americans from voting to make sure. it no. impossible for him.
7: Yeah, I mean, we we have to to, to fix the the way the districts are drawn. We, We have to make it as easy as possible for people to vote. Uh, there are a lot of countries out there that, that have modernized, and, and uh, I no longer even believe in voter registration. When somebody turns 18, they should automatically, with the technology we have in, in, in this day and age, in which most countries are using, you're automatically a voter. You can still choose not to vote if you want to, but at least those barriers to voting, they have that old archaic system of trying to get registered and um, we don't need that in the 21st century. So there are ways we can make those improvements. And so uh, we need leaders who are willing to to, to to speak up about that. I I think may, maybe the, the silver lining to what's happening with Trumpism and, and this right-wing movement in the last 30 years is that finally people have awakened. Um, even a couple years ago, it was difficult to try to find candidates to run for these offices. And now... Uh, we have a lot of quality candidates. That that special election uh, that, that, that Connor Lamb is in, he had uh, six other people who were running, and they all had good qualities. They were all you know, good candidates. Uh, I haven't seen that happen in a long time, and I think that's a positive sign.
8: There you go. Alan, listen, we want to thank you very much for uh, being with us today and as many times as you've been with us in the past. Um, and we look forward to talking to you again here in the near future.
7: Well, I hope so, too. I'm, I'm uh, going to be kind of busy trying to tie it up with this special election, and then in the middle of March, the day after, I'm I'm going to Africa to see my daughter for about a week. I'll be uh, staying in a hut in a, a remote village called Mokhotlong. It's uh, in the Lesotho, in the mountains in the middle of South Africa. But when I get back, I'm willing to... Uh, Buy lunch for, for your whole team, and we get a chance to, to, to get together and debrief on what's going on. What do you think?
8: There you go, Alan. We appreciate that very much. In the meantime, um, bring us back something other than, like, the sleeping disease or something. You
7: know? <laughs> All right. I'll try to stay healthy, and, and you guys pick where you want to go. I'll pick up the tab.
8: And, and, and give your daughter the warmest uh, uh, regards from us. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
5: Thank you, Alan. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys. Take care. See you soon.
8: Take, Take care. care. Meantime, Bye. that was Alan Kukovich, former member of the Pennsylvania House and Senate. I'm Charles Showalter. You're listening to the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio.
0: I'm more resourceful than I thought. My suit can still make an impression. My video games are still game changers.
5: And my lamp can bring others a bright future.
0: Because when I donate my stuff to Goodwill, it helps fund job placement and training for people right in my community.
5: Now my stuff gets a second chance.
0: And will give someone in my community a second chance too. Goodwill, donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. That's goodwill.org. This message brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council.
9: You wanted to be a teacher when you were little. But you grew up and things changed. Well, it's time to put it back on your list. Innovative things are happening in teaching today, and you can be a part of it. Make more. Teach.
10: Visit teach.org. Brought to you by Teach and the Ed Council.
11: Somos la Unión Internacional de los panaderos, confiteros y trabajadores de tabaco y los molineros de grano luchando por los trabajos americanos. Nabisco, fabricante de marcas icónicas como el Oreo, Ritz Crackers y Chips Ahoy, ha ganado la fortuna en América y su respuesta patriótica ha sido enviar los trabajos americanos a México. Como resultado, los consumidores en los Estados Unidos siguen boicoteando los productos hechos en México. Ingresos corporativos han bajado en todo norteamericano, los consumidores están enviando un mensaje muy fuerte y claro. Ahora los líderes religiosos de todas las religiones a través de los Estados Unidos están pidiendo una investigación del modelo de negocio de Nabisco y han programado un tour de seis ciudades para investigar el asunto de manera más profunda. En el mismo momento en que las negociaciones de NAFTA están en la mente de todos, la comunidad religiosa comenzará a abrir de los trabajadores, los políticos y otros líderes religiosas con la intención de discutir el exilio de trabajos por Navisco desde una perspectiva moral y ética y publicarán ampliamente sus hallazgos. El BCTGM y su socio Justicia Obrera Interconfesional piden a toda la gente de fe y conciencia social que se unan a esta lucha contra la explotación por Navisco de trabajadores en los Estados Unidos y México. Millones y Ya están boicoteando los productos en abisco hechos en México. Y ya está afectando sus ganancias de la empresa. Únase a nuestra lucha por la justicia moral y económica. Únase a nosotros en www.fightforamericanjobs.com www.fightforamericanjobs.com
9: Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with the text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration.
8: Hello, welcome back. I'm Charles Showalter. You're listening to The Union Edge, Labor's Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We enjoy your company. We appreciate all the great stuff you're doing for the community, that's for sure. Hey, folks, uh, joining us today, we've got the man, the myth, the guy who deserves his own monuments in Washington, D.C., Chris Garlock of the D.C. Labor Council. Chris, welcome back.
5: Hey, Chris. Hey, Charles. Good to see you both.
6: Good to hear you both.
8: We're all here. Yes, I'm here, too.
6: Yeah, man, the whole crew. This is yeah. a special day. It yeah. is.
8: It is. So, Chris, man, what's uh, what's going on?
6: Oh man, where do you start in DC these days? I swear to God, you know, it's just it just gets worse and worse. I, I do have literally I, a couple minutes ago, I got some fabulous news. Though, so let me let me lead with that. Yeah. Uh, I talked to you before about a group called Gage, the uh, graduate and student. Uh, uh, workers at Georgetown, Georgetown Alliance of uh, graduate employees, right? (laughs) And um, they've been having a problem because they started organizing. uh, And then Georgetown, which has a a good uh, policy on this uh, in their wisdom, said, well, we don't think you have the right to organize your graduate students Mm -hmm. and you're not workers, even though, even though these folks are putting on ungodly hours uh, actually working and carrying all these, uh, you know, loads and doing all this teaching. So there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff uh, and what happened was that they were planning, the, the uh, students were planning to do an action today at an alumni event at the Four Seasons. Uh, I did not get an invitation to the alumni event, of course I'm, not a, I'm an alumni, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think somehow Georgetown did not like the idea of a bunch of folks out there, uh, you know, with their alumni who, you know, give quite generously uh, to Georgetown. Uh, They were going to give them an award uh, for dragging their feet on this whole thing. So they had talks. In fact, late last night, we had a story all set to run uh, in today's Union City about this uh, action today. Uh, and it went right down to the wire and what they've done and i'm waiting for confirmation on all the details but basically georgetown has gone ahead and said yeah we uh we acknowledge your right to organize we're going to go ahead and recognize that go ahead and have an election and even if the board the national liberal relations board uh you know changes their mind in terms of eligibility we're going to go ahead and recognize that so wow uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited. This is a big move.
8: This is, yes, this is... <laughs> why can't we get more of this?
6: I and, know. You know. Well, no, go ahead.
8: You know, here, here, here in, in, in Pittsburgh, you know, we've run into serious problems organizing with some of the universities that, quite honestly, we should not have been running into problems with. And you really have to wonder... Um, You know where where do these people running the organizations get these ideas that well you know we're supposed to be a charitable organization we're supposed to be a christian organization or a socially responsible organization oh but we can't have a union
6: it's funny how uh you know that that only goes is you know it only goes so far right Mm -hmm. like it's all it's all good until it's like oh wait a minute you know you guys want to actually, you know, say so you're and working and you want to get paid and, and you know, it, it really is interesting. This comes on the heels, by the way. Uh, I think it was Thursday there was a report out that Columbia in New York City was towing that same line, uh, you know, with their graduate uh, student workers saying, oh, no, you're not actually workers. Uh, you know, you work and you carry all this load, but for the purposes of this, you're not actually a worker. So,
8: So does that mean if you're not getting paid and you're a student, that means you're a slave?
6: Well, that would be our position, Charles. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, and it's interesting, you know, you talk about what's going on there in Pittsburgh. It was in New York. We were seeing it in Georgetown. So I'm not saying these folks are coordinating, but they're definitely keeping an eye on each other. Mm Uh, And, you know, it does also, you know, raise a broader issue that's been raised with college sports, uh, which is the same question, right? I mean, here are these, you know, students that are, uh, you know, working their butts off as as student athletes, uh, and they don't get, you know, paid, obviously. uh, And then, uh, but they make bazillions for the schools, um, and so they've been trying to organize as well. Now, I don't know about anything going on, you know, at this Currently, I'm just raising it as the same kind of idea, where the schools are saying, "Oh, this is all, you know, for the benefit of the students. So, you know, we're not going to treat them as workers." It it goes to a broader question of, you know, who's doing work, what kind of work. It's very, very interesting stuff that's going on these days.
5: Well, and by and large, these have been successful, and I think it is important to note that they're keeping an eye on each other, and it's what we're doing is working um they you know people have been winning they've been signing cards uh people left and right have been winning grad student adjunct all kinds of unions because they need them and i i think it's working honestly i really do i think that uh you know they're educated and they know their rights and they deserve to be treated better and they know that and they're standing up for themselves and the universities eventually it may take a long time but they eventually have to bow to that Right, and you know, one
8: of the other things about this is, and Angela just touched on this a little bit. They're educated. These are not the the normal demographics of people that, that 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 most people in the community think are union people. You know, they're young millennials. They're educated, and they're they're working for the union. They're they're working to get a union, which is kind of new and different.
6: Well, let me bring up. You know, that was the good story. The bad story, and the this- Story that we ran in today's Union City, and that's on our website, btlabor.org. Uh But a group of software engineers, uh, both in San Francisco and in D.C., is a company that's got offices in both places, and they were being organized by my union, the, uh, the Washington and Baltimore News Guild, and they went ahead, and well, they fired one, and they laid off the rest of them. They just all happened to be in the same unit. Uh, they all signed union cards, okay? So they laid yeah, off great, these folks great. saying, oh, we're having a realignment, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but just coincidentally, it was the same folks that had signed union cards. This company uh, by the name of Lanatix, Lanatix, says some sort of software thingy. But I, you know, speaking of millennials, uh, and again, these are software engineers, okay? Uh, and, uh, you know, my union has been very, very successful at organizing millennials, organizing folks that are doing, you know, new line kind of work. Um, and so actually uh, they were at the board yesterday testifying on this and hopefully these uh, you know will not hold up um, but it really does send a chilling effect when uh, you know folks who have signed a union card are all either fired um, or or uh, laid off
8: it does and unfortunately in this environment th- politically um, I- I'm not sure that company's going to be their, their feet's going to be held to the fire
6: well, we're holding their feet to the fire. My union is definitely holding their feet to the fire. How far we get with the current right. you neo know, National Labor Relations Board is another question, but I mean, that's something uh, that you know we're going to be definitely uh, battling on. The last thing I wanted to mention, and I'm sure it was going on there in Pittsburgh it was I saw it was going on up in my old hometown of Rochester all over the country. Yesterday was the fiftieth anniversary. Uh, of the deaths of sanitation workers uh, in Memphis, which sparked the famous strike there, right. as uh, uh, you probably talked about on the show yesterday. And it was just really cool to see these actions uh, under the I Am 2018 uh, campaign uh, happening all across the country, uh, not only to honor Uh, The folks that died and the 1,300 that went out on strike and, of course, Martin Luther King, who wound up being assassinated when he returned to Memphis uh, in April of 68. But this also plays into the upcoming uh, uh, arguments in the Supreme Court on the Janus case in a couple of weeks. So we are definitely gearing up here in D.C. uh, for a lot of activity around that because that is— just a really massive, massive uh, moment for the American labor movement, whether you're public or private sector, uh, everybody has a a stake in that.
8: Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris, um, what else is going on with the D.C. Labor Council?
6: Oh, you know, it's just amazing the amount of things that happen here, even even during, you know, what's supposed to be sort of quiet months, you know, uh, Black History Month, so there's going to be a lot of actions around town. Uh, we're going to be showing a great film. If you've never seen it, it's a 2009 film uh, called The Soundtrack to a Revolution, and we'll be showing it twice on the 20th and on the 27th as part of our Bread and Roses series, and it's a really inspiring film. About the role of music in the civil rights movement, which, as you know, was you know involved and in some cases driven uh, by the labor movement. Labor movement, civil rights movement are really interwoven together. Um, I've had my eye on this movie for a while, and I'm really glad to be able to show that for free uh, at Bless Boys and Poets on both the 20th and 27th. So we'll have word of that posted pretty soon uh, again on DCLabor.org, but. Given all the stuff that's going on politically in this country right now, a lot of people, guys, they're looking around and they're really looking for inspiration, for solace, for solidarity. Uh, this film, I could not. If I was a if I was a doctor, I would definitely prescribe this film. You know, it'll chase those blues right away.
8: There you go. I'm glad you told us about that. Uh, how do we find out more about the DC Labor Council?
6: Well, you're going to want to go to dclabor.org. You can uh, follow us on Facebook and, of course, uh, on Twitter. And, you know, we've always got the latest stuff on there.
8: Always. And, Chris, we want to thank you for uh, years of participating with the program. We really appreciate it. And uh, next time we're in D.C., I'll buy you a cup of coffee.
6: Right back at you. Uh, You know, love the work you guys have done all these years, and I'm sure you're going to keep on fighting the good fight. So coffee's on me when you come to town.
8: Thanks a lot, Chris. We appreciate it. That's Chris Garlock of the D.C. Labor Council. I'm Charles Showalter. You're listening to the Union Edge Laborers Talk Radio.
7: You feisty organizer, you're the voice and conscience for the underdog. Hey, Rosette. Sweet little rebel rouser, always ready to right every wrong that comes along. Born midway between Uniontown and Fair Chance, It ain't no wonder you like to lead the dance on a journey with your siblings, looking for your roots. Your whole life you hunger for truth. Hey, Rosette. Your laughter's so contagious, you amaze us and awake us to the forces of life. Hey, Rosie, you're surely one of the bravest fired up sisters to come down the pike. Spirit of Crystal Eastman running through your bones with the energy of Fanny, the mouth of Mother Jones. You got a slow fuse but when it starts to burn you light the whole room. You can make the devil squirm. Hey Rosie you're some love from the Pump House gang, from your friends and your biggest friends. You're a power, you're a flower with the people you stand. over a big